Well, hey, thanks for tuning in. I'm Pastor Cody. And I'm Pastor Matt. And we are here to have a conversation. Yes, we are. As we always are. Mm. And so this week, uh, we're talking about uh, your message from Sunday that was titled All or Nothing. That's like an X Games thing mm. for sure. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> it just sounds extreme. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it was an extreme topic. We're hitting the sure. slopes next week. Hey. I keep saying I want to go snowboarding every season for like the last i don't know six years and i just haven't gone we should do that yeah well ever since like i'm not i haven't been a youth pastor it hasn't been a priority but Mm. i'm gonna make it a priority this year well we can at least make room in the budget for me to go like and share this (laughs) post if you think i should get a paid snowboarding trip (laughs) no nobody's gonna share it only if it's (laughs) teen camp like oh winter winter camp that should have any snow up there that stinks what do you mean? Skycroft. They haven't had snow. Oh, no. We we should do our own. We should do our own camp. Yeah. By Skycroft. We can ask anybody in the BBA if they want to go, and it's going to be the same just like regular team camp. No one's going to come. No, it's just, just going to be us. <laughs> I hope th- I hope if any BBA churches listen to this ever, uh, man, I'm, I'm excited, and, and we're ready to get back rolling with these activities. We can just cut that if you want. Oh, no. It's okay. <laughs> no, no, I think it's fine. I think it's funny. We're coming from COVID, and... Everybody's getting adjusted, and look, you heard it from the horse's mouth. We want to do a uh, we want to do snow, snow camp. camp. You heard it here first. Yeah, we're breaking news. I want to hit the slopes. I just mm. want to do it this year. It's got to be the year. You got to do it before you get too old. Ah oh, man. <laughs> well, you know, I have not been in. It's. I mean, I showed my belly Sunday. There's <laughs> I, that was honestly one of my favorite moments. You were like, I can do all stages of pregnancy. I can. Yeah, it's a gift. I've had that gift for a long time, even when I was skinnier. But um, yeah, I, I think, um, what the heck was I saying? Um, snowboarding. Snowboarding. Being, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I'm, I've not, I'm not in the greatest shape of my life. Same. But uh, I am back on the track of, and I think that's, everybody knows that, you know, that, that is getting older or that isn't as young and spry as you used to be. Um, you know, it's, it's something that is cyclic, you know, it's like mm-hmm. for a while you eat right and then you fall off the wagon, but I think that's important, you know, it has cycles cycle. like pregnancy. Hey, yeah. <laughs> trimesters. You know, there are those out there that say that the dad, the dad bod has never been in and I, you know, your opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> um, that's, that's all I have to say about that. No, it doesn't. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm back on the bandwagon trying to, to lose a few pounds and, mm-hmm. you know, that's the part of the cycle I'm in. So I feel like, you know, when it comes to snow camp, I'll have, I'll have, my winter body will be better than my summer he, body. Yeah. My wife is, uh, I think we're going to buy a juicer once we get into our new house. Cause I've just been, I've been eating like horrific and my excuse is like, well, I'm stressed out with moving and all these things going on. So when I move. And life settles down in like two months after camp and VBS and everything else we have going on. Then, yeah. then I will make the decision to be healthy. So you heard me on this is on record. I, after camp and VBS, I'm going to get healthy. But see, with this sermon that was preached Sunday, there's no better time than, than right now. now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not excellent two segue. Weeks. Three weeks. It's right now, and he uses food as an illustration. And I think part of it is. You know, Sarah and I, of course, we just got back from a trip um, somewhat, you know, we were, I was the, the big SBC convention was in Nashville. Of course, we were staying at my parents' house, which is 45 minutes from there. Uh, and it was just as easy, I think, virtually, you know, a lot of the things were on the, the app and mm-hmm. things, but, you know, I'd planned to go down there anyway. 
Um, but nonetheless, um, when we take trips and we vacate, we have vacation and all of those things. It's, it's just our time to spend 12 hours when we're, you know, driving to Tennessee or back home or wherever we're going, you know, it's, it's that time to like talk about what are we, you know, what's new in life and what are we going to do? Where are we headed? What do we need to adjust? Where do we need to improve? And so that's the part I look forward to most, um, in trips and things that we take. It's the drives, you know, because we get a chance to yeah. connect and really just hit the reset button on a lot of those things. And this is one of those things, you know, uh, diet, exercise, you know, those those things that uh, we really don't make a priority, uh, you know, while we're making everything else the priorities. But yet the diet and exercise piece, it affects everything. everything. Yep. It really does. And Paul brings it into the conversation. Um, I think it's chapter. I'm just trying to shoot from the hip here. I think it's chapter six, verse 12 through chapter seven, verse 40. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Well, okay. six thirteen is 613. where Paul says food is for the stomach and stomach for the food, and everyone yeah. said, mm, mm. "That's right, Paul." I've yes, never agreed is. with what you said more. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he pulls in the you know the the food piece that illustration that that we all understand, and then you know kind of uh, uses that to prop up what he is going to talk about as far as uh, sexual immorality. And he deals with the topic, um, man, thoroughly. He deals with it thoroughly. And he, not even from the perspective of we're coming from a place, right, where two weeks ago he addressed a, uh, a really outspoken moral issue, you know, sexually immoral issue that was happening in the church of uh, a son-in-law and a mother-in-law or how, vice versa, however you want to say it. But this guy was sleeping with his mother-in-law. And it was an open, egregious sin. Everyone knew about it. This word got to Paul, got back to Paul that this was happening and that everybody knew about it and how, how to address it from a church discipline standpoint. But Paul didn't stop there. You know, he didn't pull up short and say, yeah, okay, now that that's handled. No, he kept going, which means, you know, not only were there, you know, issues that were out in the open, there were issues that, that people were having in their private lives. Yeah. Um, and he spent just as much time, if not more, addressing those issues and how they should be handled. Because remember, this is, you know, the thesis statement really for this this book. And, you know, what Paul is driving at is that the cross uh, has power and that it's not emptied of its effect. And so we're continuing that thought into every area and every conversation that that Paul is having through this letter. And so so that the cross be not emptied of its power and its effect. Um, you know, it's vitally important that you have these boundaries within your sexuality um, so that you can have power in them. But but he he takes a step further and he says so that you can have intimacy with the Lord mm -hmm. so that your body is the, um, you know, the place where you are glorifying God in that intimate relationship. But anyway, that's kind of the, you know, the intro to what the message was. It, it was if you haven't watched it or if you weren't here. Um, yeah. So I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Absolutely. So what do you got? Any? Well, jumping in, first of all, I love that you hit that the McDonald's is just the place to be around here, and it really is. It is. You know, as it's it's the daily struggle. I pray as I go by. Nope, not today. <laughs> not today. Now that Deliish is there. It's way, way less tempting to go to McDonald's. Well, I know you frequent just because I've heard you've already received your free sub. I did. Um, seven. Seven sandwiches to get a free oh one. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. I've been there once. Um, That's it? I go like once a week. Yeah, I, I have a, you know, definitely. And I mean, I know you do in some ways, but I I have a frugal 
uh, gene in me that just, mm-hmm. and, and I think it comes with more children too. Yes. So it's going to get worse, but yeah, I have a, f- a frugal gene for sure that I, I'm not able to, to do it that much. And I think that that's part of the appeal for McDonald's with me. Is it's that, true. Is $3 is for lunch as opposed to 10. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, <laughs> I think that, uh, it's a, it's a joke. Uh, but I think the other piece is, you know, look, Deli-ish, I love you. I'm so glad. Look, we want more businesses down in the BQ. More, not more less. Businesses, more yeah. people, not less people. You're like, we want you down here, but I'm not going to go. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not at all. Not at all what I'm saying. But I would say, look, constructive feedback is good, right? Yeah, and, and a little I, expensive. I, well, no, no, no. I don't. I, look, no, charge what you want for your sandwich. That's not where I'm headed. <laughs> I am headed to criticize in one way <laughs> but not on the financial end look you know your business i don't know it that well just from a just from someone who has eaten your sandwiches and someone who really loves subs like i love sub mm-hmm. sandwiches i you know i i will go out of my way to get a good sub sandwich you know and i think that uh, for me it's the bread the bread uh-huh. is no it's just a little theirs is a little subpar if you go really? to yeah if you get yeah. yeah if you go to jersey mike's you got fresh baked bread. Jimmy John's you got fresh baked bread. If that if if uh, Deli-ish sits there at all and soaks in the juices, it's soggy. It's true. And I think that, I, and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but my take, and like I said, I'm not a pro. I'm not a restaurant owner. I love you. I'll still continue to patron your business and buy a sub from there because I want to see you succeed down here. But I would say, from constructive criticism from a guy who eats a lot of subs. Uh, maybe try baking your own bread because it doesn't seem like you bake it. I think you order that bread from somewhere. That's just what I'm. That's my. That's take. heat. You're throwing heat. Am I throwing heat? You're like, hey, you don't bake your own bread. I don't think you bake your own bread. I'm, <laughs> and look, whatever. I mean, I think Subway even bakes their own bread. Ooh, um, that's a low blow. Yeah, your meat, Yeesh. everything you got going on, Deliish, is really, really good. Uh, but the bread is like my only. Except that the thing that every sandwich has stinks. <laughs> bread <laughs> it's not bad i'll say that the bread that you're i would assume order and maybe i'm wrong you can comment on here <laughs> yeah right uh but what i would say what if is, they do though what if they're like hey you know what we don't like your church very much <laughs> look <laughs> listen and this is the thing like as the lead pastor i love good constructive mm-hmm. criticism and feedback yeah. i'm all about it so come on in Walk through and give me your feedback. I would I would love it. But we would love it. Yeah, but yeah. I think that the point is is um yeah the reason I don't go as much is the bread. Yeah. <laughs> to me, I'm really simple. I go and get a tuna sandwich for like seven bucks, mm. and it's just kind of like a lunch date it's once a bad. week for my wife and I. Oh, it's that's cool. cool. You know, nice. That works. You know, I don't know. It's fun. We're making memories at Delish either way. Yeah. But bake your own bread. Yeah. <laughs> get it right. Get Fix it. Right. it. No, I'm teasing. You have ten days. <laughs> Um, oh, anywho, <laughs> so, so moving on from that, <laughs> this is the conversation. This is the though. conversation. You know, we, if you're like, what in the world are these guys doing? This is the design. Like, we just want to get on here and mm-hmm. chit chat with you and spend some time. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of you have asked like, you know, do you guys prep ahead of time for this? And we really don't. You do. Um, just not, in the sense no. of like, I mean, I took two minutes and wrote down a couple questions oh, okay. here, but, uh, generally we just look over the program and you know we just that's it dive the, the, in. yeah we just dive in that's it yeah. very unscripted very informal but yet you know at the same time very uh on point i feel like we hope it's a minus blessing. the deli-ish conversation <laughs> 10 days 
So what was your favorite part about the passage that you preached from yesterday? You covered a lot, and, you know, we covered... I mean, sexual immorality is always a hard topic to cover. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but you shifted from that and you kind of, you talked about calling a little bit and you've talked about mm -hmm. some other different things in there. Mm -hmm. um, but there's there's just a lot there to unpack. And y what do you feel like when you were reading through was like, whew, that's, you know, just felt like fresh water. Um, I think for me, you know, the all or nothing, and I understand like I didn't come right out and say what that title means. And I want it to be, you know, some sermons are cut and dry, what they are and what they are not. And, you know, this is more of a, how how are you going to receive this? How are you going to take this? What are you going to take from this message? There's a lot, you know. And um, so I know everybody, it might mean something different to, yeah. you know, to different audiences and, and people that are in different stages. But I think that's how Paul approached it as well looking at all the high points and I think for me, you know, and I alluded to it yesterday, but reading Paul's biography from NT Wright um was insightful. It's been a little bit since I since I've read it, um probably over a year, but I still pull from it, you know, internally and not yeah. that I went back and referenced a ton cuz I didn't, but Love that guy. Yeah, he's really really good, mm -hmm. but uh I think that you get the sense that Paul was engaged, mm -hmm. you know, through through he was betrothed in some form or fashion. Whether or not he left it like that, because he talks about that in this passage, where he's just like, hey, if you're engaged and you can just stay that way and not get married, that's even better. <laughs> I'm like, that's interesting. Okay, yeah. so are you saying that's what you did, Paul, or, or what? But anyway. And I think what's what's interesting, now that you bring that up, uh, what <laughs> I think everybody takes a different approach to this, but they're... Because the text is is what it is, it's mm -hmm. it's it's scripture, mm -hmm. and we look at that, and it's kind of I think for a lot of people, it's hard to you you use the term opinion piece, sure, um, in your message, and it's it's hard to for a lot of us to maybe wrap our like I think we just have this box like Bible, and then like everything in there you can cut it, put it where you want, mm -hmm. put it on a mug, you know, favorite verse, and but then you have Paul, and it's like well that's Paul's opinion, and you know. We can clear. We can make that distinction pretty clear because he says it, right? But that's just a weird, you know. It's kind of weird when you're reading. Like as a reader, we have to make these interpretive decisions where we're saying, like, "Oh, okay, Paul. Paul isn't saying that I should be single. He's just saying, like, hey, look, if I were you, this is like I think it should be this way for everybody. But that's right. just my opinion. So that's I, you know, I I always think that's kind of a weird thing when you have to dive into, yeah, you know, what exactly is the literature that we're reading? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's scripture. Yeah, it's the Bible, but. You know, <laughs> you know, when you when it comes to what are we enforcing and what are we not? Like that's a big deal. If we make right. a, if we make an oops on that, you know, it's pretty yeah. pretty grave. And it is, and I think that's the weight that I feel as a pastor, as someone who's bringing the word every week. You know, it's definitely weighty. You know, because literally, I'm preaching things that I know people are going to internalize and prayerfully consider mm -hmm. making a change in their lives. That's huge. That's yeah. massive. If we had 10 people in our church, uh, <laughs> you know, that would be uh, an incredible responsibility. But, I mean, the facts are, you know, we're seeing, I mean, at least over 200 people view this thing every week. Yeah. You know, and we probably have in our membership now, I mean, I would say it's pushing 300, you know. Mm, yeah. uh, so, it, it's just. A lot know, of ears. It's a lot of ears. And, of course, not everyone is a weekly attender. Some once a month, some twice a month. Um, you know, but. Folks are frequenting the, whether they miss the in-person gathering, they're going back and watching it. So 
there's tons of weight there for me, you know, and I feel the responsibility. So look, if Paul says, and he alludes to the fact that, look, this is, this is my opinion and the Lord will, will give a different gift for different people. You know, I think it's important to say that, you know, because, mm-hmm. and this is where, you know, this is where I, and, and I'm not the end all be all by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, this is, um, I consider myself an amateur in so many different ways, but I have been doing it a long time. If I have anything, it's experience in that, um, you know, not necessarily formal training, but I would say that in my past experiences, um, pastors who are super dogmatic and use the thing that, that this is what, this is what the Bible says Mm -hmm. and they do the cut and paste kind of thing, right? It's, it's so dangerous. It is. And what they're doing is they're crafting, and this is kind of segueing into what we had discussed earlier, but they're crafting a system and a structure. And I would say it's for control that, that they can just say, and, and I don't mean necessarily control in a bad way. Uh, so before you write that off, you know, oh, well, you know, he's talking about pastors or a certain type or some type of cult. No, not necessarily that either. It could also be for you know, for ease of use. And I'll say this, I have heard this over and over again, coming up, growing up in an independent Baptist background, it's McDonald's has a dress code. If we're going to talk about McDonald's, <laughs> right? right? The military has a dress code. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, if you go to work, your boss is going to say, well, this is the dress code. So I think that it is, some of it is with good intentions. Oh, of course. These pastors say, well, this is just how it should be. And this is what the Bible is teaching. And this is the black and white of the matter when Paul absolutely, you know, if you study it and read it and dissect it, he's not giving black and white. He's not. At all. Mm-mm. And he's actually, what I would say, giving advice. When he gives advice, he says, I'm, I'm basically giving my opinion. And when he does that, the things that he says, I would say, are, and I, I shouldn't maybe make this broad of a statement, but they would be contrary to what some of, you know, what I've heard in the past as yeah. far as teaching towards marriage and and sexuality. So I, I think that it's just, it's, we have to be very cautious and, and it is hard. It, it is, it, it's hard work to leave these things open and open-ended. And now my phone is the one ringing. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard work to leave these things open-ended and say, there is no black and white on this and you have to follow the Lord. And that's why he gave you the Holy Spirit. And for a pastor to have to navigate and lead through that, it's a lot harder than to say, no, this is what you do. Bottom line. It's true. And there is no gray. You know, well, at some point, we as pastors, if the Bible isn't black and white and there's room, like we have to be comfortable saying, look, our church might not look as, you know, prim and proper and as cohesive as we want it to look. Not everybody is going to have the same walk. Not everybody is going to have the same exact lifestyle, you know. And Paul, because this church is a melting pot of all those different cultures, and we know that just by studying the context of it, he didn't have that luxury. And he didn't despise it. He embraced it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I do. And I think that... If I'm making sense. You know. And I just... To me, it's kind of confusing, especially being in that vein of thought for a long time. Like, the church has never been about uniformity to that degree i mean i think uniformity and you or unity the the church is about unity not uniformity yeah 
And he makes a declarative statement in chapter 7, midway through, where he talks about this is the command to all the churches. There's the uniformity, right? And the command was what? To obey God's commandments. Right. <laughs> you know, so it was like, look, you obey God wherever God has called you. And that to me is, it's not all or nothing, you know, and that's the, the premise or the, the, the root of right. this whole thing is sexuality is is a temperature it's 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 something that you can or maybe i should say it the opposite yes it is a temperature but it's also you know the thermometer in in the sense that it's something that you can check to see in any life stage that you're in that god called you in mm-hmm. whether or not you're right with the lord yeah does it's that a make good, sense it's a good barometer i, yeah, I agree it's a better word yeah um barometer barometer but yeah to see like okay if you were called and you're with an unsafe partner how you're handling that should be to stay married. Mm-hmm. But if you're if, if you're growing up in the church and you know better and like you're single, like you should be pure. You should remain like spotless. You you should uh, put a premium on your sexual purity. And it, it, so it, it's like it's not that it's different advice. It's that we are all different. Mm-hmm. We the church is designed to reach people. The church is designed to save the lost. And in that rescuing, it's dirty. It's messy. Yeah. We are all in, in different situations and different scenarios. And as a pastor, I understand this. You know, I, I meet people every week either that join our church or that are interested in joining our church from different walks of life. And they're all the world and this sinful place that we call home has had its it's left its imprint and it's had its impact on them separately, individually. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the gospel goes in and restores them and makes them new where they are. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm seeing in this text is the importance is obedience. The importance is, is responding where you are. And I think that for me, you know, just watching young people, Today, and, and that's, I'm always, you know, just based on ministry and, you know, I've worked with young people a long time. You know, my heart goes out to young people in this society because it's an Instagram or whatever the latest and greatest is. It's, it's a social media driven society where we care so much about how it looks. We care so much about having the perfect wedding. And Paul cared very little about that. And he cared about purity. Yep. For him to say, look, if you're engaged... Just forget about the wedding and and just focus on your relationship with the Lord if you're if you're able to do that. And so I know that most and me included would be unable to do that. We would have to say, Paul, you're of another sort like you are some kind of like (laughs) spiritual general. And that's incredible. But that's not a that that's not practical, nor is it my calling like the Lord has called me to be married. You know, and I and I think Paul would say, well, okay, focus on your relationship then. Mm-hmm. Don't focus on what everybody thinks about your relationship. Don't focus on how the world thinks you're prepared for your relationship. My wife and I, we've talked about this um, at length, but when we were first coming up and we, when we met in Bible college, like we would have gotten married like a year in to that and we would not have finished Bible college first. Mm-hmm. But everyone around us said, this is how it works. You meet, you graduate Bible college, you get married, you go work at a church. And we submitted to that. Mm-hmm. But I'll say this, not without turmoil and not without struggle. We were blind in so many areas. You know, we, the, the first position we took at a church out, 
you know, out of Bible college, um, you know, we were very much like parachuted in and we were expected to maintain this look on the outside when on the inside we were ill prepared uh, for, for what we were doing and for what the Lord had for us. And a lot of that was was generally speaking because of the way that it was structured, because of the way that that college or that lifestyle said that this is how the order must flow. And what I'm sensing from Paul is that it's not about that order. It's about what God's called you to do. Yep. Wherever you are. Wherever. And looking back, if I would have just said, look, if we're right with each other and we're right with the Lord and we know like how this is supposed to be, we would have gotten married sooner. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't have been about the wedding or the, you know, the show or, you know, yesterday I joked about the barn that you're getting married in. It's like we spend so much money on on that day, um, you know, and I'm not against that. I don't think I'm, I'm against that. I'm against that at the expense of your purity yep. and at the expense of what really matters. And that's your relationship showing the relationship of Christ in the church. And to me, um, it's like a focus thing, you know, 100%. like it, <laughs> we spend so much time and energy like preparing for a wedding that lasts all of an hour, maybe. Mm. And like you said, the the average cost is is forty thousand dollars for a wedding in this state. I threw that out there. I didn't. Oh, is that not? I didn't fact check it. I mean, that's no. probably. Let you me know. Google it right now while yeah. you're while you're talking. <laughs> but it's Continue just insane that 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 kind of focus is put on a ceremony and never, you know, I would dare say almost in every circumstance, not that much time and energy or money is put into a relationship as a whole but rather just on the ceremony of celebrating said relation. 34,503 for a wedding. that far off. No, you were pretty close. Wow. And honestly, I've heard that number, and I've heard numbers above that number. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think my wedding was like $3,000. Yeah, same. <laughs> and that was on the cheap. But it was great. $34,503. That's a Maryland wedding. Mm. If, if, if any of our daughters listen to this at some point in their life, just know mm-hmm. that... A, inflation has probably happened a lot since then, <laughs> especially if they keep writing stimulus checks. But Ooh. we don't want that. We want you to focus on your relationship. But you should probably should just stay single. <laughs> I think that's what Paul would have wanted. That's what Paul's saying. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. If your last name, if you're a female and your last name is Cooper or Robinson, you should Paul be wants single. you to be single. Yes. Yeah. Unless you're my wife, in which case, not meant to be single. <laughs> no, don't divorce him. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's a shame that that's the culture that we live in where all of that energy and focus is put on the ceremony instead of the family. Yeah. You know, and moving forward from that, it's like Paul, mm, you know what? Lost my train of thought there. You're struggling today. Man, my brain is just not, yeah, I'm okay. Okay. Um, I was going to say something, but I'll let you continue. No, Um, just pick up on the, where we're going from that because that'll be a nice segue. Well, and what's interesting, though, and we when we refer or when the New Testament refers to uh, to purity from, you know, using that terminology, like we think about Paul's words when he said, you know, your body is the temple mm-hmm. and to, to be pure in in the sense of how he's talking about, you know, God's sacred space, the temple needs to be pure of anything that would defile it, any any mark of death or decay cannot be in there, Mm. you know? And when we take that and we apply that principle to our lives, like what, you know, yes, you know, that's a big illustration for sexual, wow. Sexual purity. Um, (laughs) my lisp on that was horrific. It's all good. It's all good. (laughs) Keep going. You're doing good. (laughs) Um, you know, when Paul takes that language and he applies it to, 
you know, sexual purity. Like what, like these, these things that we're doing. And he uses the words in this passage that you preached from, uh, you know, sexual sin is a sin against your own body. Mm. Like you are bringing death into sacred space, which is your body, Mm. which is, you know, it's kind of a weird concept to think about it that way, but it really hits home with a little bit of thought. Yeah, it does. And, and I think death to what it could be. Yeah. And and that's what I, I mm-hmm. man, in my heart really Death goes. Death to your God-given potential. Yeah, my heart really goes out to those that are, you know, you're doing so many things. You're living in both worlds. You're wanting to, and I get it, we are in this world. You know, you're wanting to have the fairy tale, and I'm not against that once again, mm-hmm. but in balance. Um, but you're doing it at the expense of your relationship with the Lord. And so, uh, man, have romance. I, you know, I'm definitely as a father, you know, every dad uh, struggles with that. But, uh, you know, he doesn't want his daughter to get married, but he wants his daughter to get married. I want my daughter to have all of that and more if it's the Lord's will. Um, But at the same time, you know, I want to put the focus in the right area and in the right place. Mm -hmm. And so just considering this, considering uh, those of you young people that are out there and that are thinking like, well, I, you know, it, it won't be that big of a deal or I'll be fine. Or, you know, if I do it this way, the Lord won't, it doesn't really matter. You know, Paul, he puts specific boundaries around this thing, you know, and mm-hmm. he says, look, it's important. What's important is your sexual purity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think for a lot of people who aren't familiar with like a biblical view of sexuality, like a lot of people are like, oh, that's just you know, the Bible is a long time ago. We've got different things now. We have birth control and all these different things. And, and it's really not about that. It's not about pregnancies. It's about you. Mm-hmm. It's about your spiritual condition and it's about yeah. your well-being mm-hmm. and not about whether you procreate a child or not. Right. And I think on the social media note too, it's like, you know, the, <laughs> and June we're in now it's pride month. Mm. Um, every corporation ever has made that abundantly clear by changing everything to rainbow. Mm. Um, which, I don't know. Anyway, I digress. But talking about social media, like the one of the dangers of that, and I'm on social media, so obviously I'm not against it. This is going out on social media, so there's that. Um, But you know, people, you know, we we search for affirmation, and we're getting affirmation for all the wrong things. Yeah. And you know, when we, (laughs) when you say you have a struggle or you have a a proclivity like well i just you know i don't think i'm straight and society's like yes express that that's good and that's who you are love is love and yeah like i think that you know love you do <laughs> you know i think that people who are are homosexuals like i think that they do legitimately love you know mm-hmm. people of the same sex but that doesn't yeah. but where what that doesn't mean is that it's healthy right what that doesn't mean is that that's the best possible thing that you can do just because you you lean that direction and i think that's the dangerous part about it is that it's pushed as like that makes you happy you need to pursue that and then we we don't you know we or when i say we i just mean society in general but we don't we don't take into consideration the fallout on the back end of encouraging these kinds of decisions yeah and i think on the complete opposite end of that spectrum i think it's a problem when all we do is condemn people for how they feel Right. And not offer any sort of help or solution to their problem. Yeah. And ultimately, for us, the solution is the gospel, and the mm-hmm. you know. The, but that doesn't mean that people won't struggle. That doesn't mean no. that people won't you know have these things that they deal with. But I just it's so damaging that our culture just 
I mean, is just pushing people right over the edge with these things. Yeah. It's it's sad. Yeah, and I think you're exactly right on the sense that, you know, the, the church has done a really bad job historically on handling that. Yeah. You know, if if we do live in a fallen world and sin is passed among all men, what we've had in the past that I've experienced is pastors, this is a good one, just to, just to bring in another illustration um, that isn't homosexuality, but like I've heard pastors talk about alcohol in the past mm-hmm. and how it's so bad and how bad it tastes, right? They're like, alcohol's horrible and you should never drink it. And that's what the Bible says. And, you know, who would want to have it anyway because it tastes so bad? It's like, you know, there's millions of people out there that actually like the taste of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you just lost all of their and attention yeah, with that and, comment. Yeah. And, and you just, pr- well, you proved your ignorance. You know, you proved your ignorance by making it an argument of taste. It's not an argument of taste. It's an argument of moderation. Right. And the fact that you made it about taste shows that you're doing something to the argument that shouldn't be done. You're including something based on something that you don't understand to uh, just basically scare people and and really, you know, uh, peer pressure people into avoiding it rather than saying this this is the facts. These are the facts, rather correct English. These are the facts, and this is what you should be careful of, and this is what the Bible says. Once again, that is something that that is harder to do than just to peer pressure and, you know, force people into, you know, what you want them to do. And that's not what I, what you know, with this thing of homosexuality, like the church has to get better in this regard um, because it's not a peer pressure. It's not my responsibility to sit here on this side of the table and tell you how you feel or how you don't feel. That's not my responsibility. That's right. not what Paul says. I'm not going to tell you that you don't have that attraction because you do. Mm-hmm. And if you're a man and you love other men, it's not my responsibility to sit here and tell you that you're gross or that you're this or you're that. All of those things that are different than me. The point of the gospel is to save people who are different than me. Right. And so what, what I want to say and what I want to express is that I love you and that Jesus loves you. And, you know, just because you have... Uh, a difference in your sexuality and how you express it doesn't mean you're too far from the Lord. Doesn't mean that you've been given over to this mind that now, uh, and I think that's a stretch for interpretation of Romans, but doesn't mean you've been given over to something that is the point of no return. I don't believe that. I've heard that preached, but I don't believe that. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think that the, the proper balance is to say to you, Listen, and I know that this is where we will collide. I, I know that this is the moment where, uh, you know, me, even people that I have uh, the relationships with, that I'm a friend with, that are homosexual, this is where, you know, we would fundamentally disagree. Um, but I would then bring into this argument and say, you know, there are things that I desire to do that I don't do because I believe it is sin. And so we all have in our relationship when we engage with the Lord, we all have things that we have desires to do that are not right because Scripture tells us that they are not right and that we, uh, we have to make a conscious decision in our own conscience to not do those things. And when we do that, the Lord responds in grace and in mercy. And when we receive his grace and his mercy, we find that those, those things, those intangibles of grace and mercy— the fruits of the Spirit 
are greater than the return that we get from saying yes to the thing that we know the Lord is telling us to say no to. Yes. And I think that that makes sense. It does. It makes really good sense. And I think that for some reason it's, you know, we, we, I think everybody Christian or non-Christian can say that we all desire to do things that we, you know, we shouldn't do. Right. And we don't do them. And for whatever reason, this piece of sexuality is looked at differently. Yeah. For some reason. Well, they want to redefine, and I say they, the world, mm-hmm. those that are contrary to Scripture want to redefine that as being something that's accepted by God. You know, they were made or created that way. Right. And the created order, it, it, it is not that way. We can see it from the beginning as being different than that. It's true. You look at... Different you know, by design. Right. You look at the created order and what was created and what it... and. <laughs> You know, when it was marred, what did that create? Exactly. It creates where we are today. Yeah, and all of the splinters and the different factions from that. And Mm -hmm. so what I want to say is that this message is just as much for the man that's in a heterosexual relationship that's addicted to pornography. Yes. As it is the man that is on the outskirts of the church that has same-sex attraction, that maybe he's acted on at a time or two, or maybe he hasn't acted on it at all. Same, Same sin, same place. Mm-hmm. what same sin same place yes yeah that's how i feel about it mm-hmm. that's 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 how i feel about it in the sense that it's sexual immorality and and we can handle this and deal with this thing in a better way and so as a pastor i want to deal and handle and help the man that's uh and and i'm saying man this this is both genders you know I, i'm not just excluding women from this conversation it's both just by way of illustration Men or women that are struggling with pornography and men and women that are struggling with same-sex attraction. I want to help both. I, I, I want to love both. And I want to be able to say to both that you have to come to terms. And this is in salvation. I teach my children this. You have to come to terms with what right and wrong is. And that is where we are fundamentally disagreeing. You yeah. know, that, oh, well, it's not wrong. Well, yes, it is. It, mm-hmm. is. it is wrong. And if we can agree that Scripture is right, and it's not about what I say. It's about what Scripture says. And Scripture is clear in some of these instances. And so I'm not talking about the way cultures have handled that in the past because, thank God, you're living in this culture because this culture is more tolerant and, and does allow certain things. And, and, and I don't even mean this, you know, from a perspective of, you know, we're just coming off of Juneteenth and celebrating, you know, the emancipation and the freedom that everyone experiences in America Look, the point is, is in 1776, when our nation was founded, it was founded on the very principle that would one day free every man. But, mm. it, but it took, what was that, a hundred? A couple hundred years. Yeah, it, it took some years to get there. But the fundamental principle that it was founded upon is what created that. The fundamental principle of the gospel frees all men, and Paul says it. Mm-hmm. The fundamental principle of the gospel in this passage of Scripture puts men and women on an equal plane in their relationships. Was it that way in the church? No. Not at all. Not at all. But the fundamental principle that was upheld and and held closely and that was uh, uh, practiced, what happened over time? It played out the way the gospel does play out, restoration, recreation, putting things the way that they should have been from the beginning. So, you know, this is just vitally important for us to understand that we're all in different places. And this is what I love, love, love about this passage. Paul is really getting to the heart of the matter. And he's saying, listen, what's more important is your calling. Your calling to obey God wherever you are. And so I hope this is just an extension. This conversation is an extension of Sunday's message to where this 
this finds you in your place. This finds you struggling with whatever you're struggling with in your sexuality, because that's the topic that Paul's addressing here. And that you realize that God is bigger than those problems. God's love for you is bigger than your desires for fill in the blank, for those things that are against or that will keep you from spiritual intimacy. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. And I was going to, um, this had popped into mind, but to, I think everybody wants intimacy in, in some way. Yes. Um, and into intimacy, I think to some is different for, you know, than it would be for others. But, um, if we want intimacy with the Lord, we have to understand that to be freely intimate with him, we have to regulate how we are intimate with other humans. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we cannot have free intimacy and do whatever, whenever with whoever, and then also be intimate with the Lord. Like it is a conscious choice. We can either have an intimate relationship with him or we can take our, our desire for yes. intimacy into our own hands. Yes. Which is great. Or well, not great. <laughs> well, I, I just I, thought that concept was great. Yeah. You can't serve two masters. And, you can't. And this is the idea in our culture that, mm-hmm. you know, the movement of free love, right? The baby that that had was just a, a very unstable generation. Very much so. Right. And I think mm-hmm. about Reuben in scripture, he's unstable, unstable as, as, water. as water. Why? Because he was double-minded, mm-hmm. you know? And so this, this type of mentality, what we're saying is, and I think what, what you're seeing Paul do is him placing his spiritual intimacy in the front seat and his feelings and sexual desires in the back seat. Where would we be as a nation? Where would we be as, as churches? If we would put our sexual desires in the back seat and our relationship and our calling in the front seat. True. Man. Very true. Mm-mm-mm. And I think you could sum all of that up in what Paul said in verse 12. Uh, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. That's right. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Yeah. And what he's saying essentially is like, look, you know, I can do whatever I want, but that doesn't mean that it's beneficial. Right. And you know, if it's not beneficial, I don't want to be mastered by it. Mm-mm. You know, to be mastered by anything except our creator creates problems yeah. for us. Yep. And on the on the created order note, like, and you talked about this earlier on in your message where you were talking about developing a Christian worldview, yeah. a biblical worldview. You know, the worldview that's in Paul's head right now as he spreads uh, the gospel to the known world of his time is, you know, the gospel is a call back to created order. The mm-hmm. gospel is you know, the spirit coming and the yeah. Holy spirit is the only, the only thing in this world that is actively working against depravity mm-hmm. and working to restore Eden in, in our, in our world. Yeah. That's you know? right. And, and to, to adhere to what Paul is saying and to, to soak that in for what it is, is to understand that, you know what? New creation, new life does not look like bringing death on my body through my sexual relationships. That's right. You know, cause that's what we're doing. And I just, you know, that verse 12 really sums up the whole, the whole chapter for me. Everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. I think we pretty much covered the scope of your message there. Yeah. Is there anything that you felt like you missed or didn't get to bring up or expound on enough in the message that you'd like to bring up? Um, I don't think so. I, you know, I was going to end 15 minutes earlier and I just decided to plow on through, which is why <laughs> I went over yesterday <laughs> with baptisms in both services. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we ended up. You know, I I took the full, and I think part of that is because the nature of the conversation, I couldn't really, not this podcast, but the nature of the sermon, uh, you know, I didn't want to cut it short just based on uh, ideas and thoughts and philosophies. And I I spent a lot of time yesterday 
on the front end, laying some groundwork probably more than I should have. Um, but yeah, I had, to, I had to get to the end, the end of this mm-hmm. and, and I'll, and I guess we can leave you with this, but bringing God glory in your current stage is always the proving ground for God's provision into the next stage of your calling. And, you know, we cling in this society to, we cling to success. We cling to what is going to get me around the corner. What's going to make me more money. What's going to give me a happy relationship. What's going to fill in the blank, right? We chase conferences and we chase if you're in in church work or uh conferences in business or you know that philosophy or that book or whatever it is like we're constantly going towards what we think is going to make us more successful because that's what we think life is all about and what paul is saying is if you will worry about where you are in the season right now in doing it well and obeying god well in the life stage he's put you in then god will make provision for the next stage and he will give that gift when the time is right. And so I just think that that is really where we have to set and we have to relax and we have to rest, you know, mm-hmm. your message last week. We have to rest in the fact that he's going to make the provision because that's that's what God is going to do. Take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take thought for itself. It does indeed take thought for itself. Yep. And we just need to sit in and be content with the lives that the, the life that God has given us. And, and do that to the best of our abilities. Make the best decisions possible that align with Scripture and, and just set back. I'm not saying everything's perfect. I'm not saying you're in a great place to produce a great marriage right now. But uh, making the right decisions today uh, will allow God's provision for tomorrow. That's what I got. Shutting it down. That's a fitting word. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for hanging out with us today. Um, we enjoy doing this a ton. Yeah. Um, if you can share this, um, share this video, share our uh, YouTube channel with your friends. Yeah, man. Um, or our Spotify link, whichever, uh, or Apple Music, whichever platform you, or is it, I don't really use Apple for podcasts. Is it Apple Podcasts or Apple Music? It's just called Podcasts. Okay. Well, share it with your friends, however you're consuming it, but we love you. Yes, love you. So much. So much. And um, <laughs> takeaways from this, if you are having a wedding at a barn and it's getting catered by Deli-ish, uh, don't invite us. <laughs> Him specifically. I'll come because I like your barn and your sandwiches. Um, but <laughs> That's yeah, funny. you have 10 days, Deli-ish. 10 days. Um, get the bread right. Yep. Love you. Love you. God bless. See ya.